Church, let us pray as we receive the word of God this morning. Let's pray. Father God, reveal yourself to us. We pray, Lord, that your word capture our attention and allow the Holy Spirit to soften our hearts as we listen to what you want us to hear today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, there are times in life when all of us need people to be caring, to be compassionate and merciful, especially when dealing with critical situations like illness, divorce, death, the human hearts, our human hearts longs for others to be understanding and also kind-hearted, even forgiving. Now, especially such time, people from all walks of life, especially us believers, children of God, you know, should and must extend a helping hand to the person in need. But there will also be times where we are hesitant. We are hesitant to reach out to others. I mean, especially so when a person's lifestyle is so wicked that we do not want to be associated with the individual. Or when we feel that the individual does not deserve to be helped. We may not show kindness. We may not show compassion. And many times, you know, many times in such situations, I even judge. You know, in the book of Jonah, God asked Jonah to do something stated in Jonah 1 verse 2. He said, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry out against it, because their wickedness has come out before me. Nineveh was a capital of the powerful ancient Assyrian Empire, located in the modern-day northern Iraq. You know, God was asking Jonah to be his prophet, bringing his word. And this word, this message was an unwelcome message to a people who was not living up to God's standard. Jonah refused. He refused God's call and he fled. You know, he ran to Jepa to seek a ship to Tashi, where there he faced an ocean storm and was swallowed by a fish. And in Jonah 3, we see God call Jonah the second time and this time, Jonah obeyed, and he delivered the word of God to Nilevites. They believed God and they repented, but Jonah opposed their repentance. And that is what we will read about you know, in Jonah 4 this morning. Why did Jonah oppose to Nilevites' repentance? What was going on in the hearts of Jonah when God showed compassion to the Nilevites? Let us read um, Jonah 4, 1 to 8. But to Jonah, this seems very wrong. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tashi. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah has gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in his shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a lively plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn, the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he growed faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die 
than to live. Here, the Nilevites have repented, turned from their wicked ways, and God has compassion on them. Instead of sending his judgment down upon them, the Lord has relented and turned back his wrath. And so the Nilevites were spared, spared from God's judgment. They would not be destroyed as God had warned through the message of his prophet Jonah. But why would the repentance and salvation of the Nilevites anchor Jonah so much? After all, Jonah has been the instrument whom the Lord has chosen to warn the Nilevites of their impending judgment. Instead of showing this pleasure, Jonah would have been rejoicing and praising God. But he was not. He was, in fact, super very angry with the Lord. He became angry. It's expressed in Hebrew by the word hara. This tells us that Jonah was just not, you know, angry like the normal anger, but he was filled with burning kind of anger. You know, Jonah wanted God to judge the Nilevites and to remove a threat to the nation of, of Israel. Jonah told God why he was angry and he was rebellious even though he has a deep and intimate relationship with God. And now we know why, why Jonah has to flee to Tashish. You know, he was afraid that the Nilevites would repent and that God would show compassion to them. You know, the enemies of God's people, Israelites. Jonah held prejudice within his heart against the Nilevites because of their wicked lifestyle and their brutal mistreatment of other people. You know, they were so cruel to other people. And because of that, Jonah was having difficulty accepting the fact that God would save a people who were so utterly wicked. You know, Jonah went on to confess that he knew, he knew what God is like. He knew the God's character. He quoted Exodus 34, 6-7, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in faithfulness and truth, who keep faithfulness for thousands, who forgive wrongdoings, violation of his law and sin. You know, compassion and mercy are traits that Jonah recognized in God. But Jonah did not agree with God, as he would have on showing compassion on the Nevites. Slow to anger, expressed forbearing, patient and proposed anger. Abounding in love. It's a super intense work for love and it's best understood as God relenting love, which is God's covenant, you know, commitment to his people. And this royal love of God will endure forever. You know, Jonah knows that God is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, but he does not understand why this should be shared with the evil Nilevites. You know, when Jonah looked at the Nilevites, he saw cruel, wicked people who oppressed and subdued others through the most violent acts of brutality. In Jonah's mind, a person so ruthless, so evil, should and must be punished. They are not to be saved. Sadly, Jonah was so discouraged and depressed over the situation that he asked God to take his life. And he knew that God would save them if they truly repented. Now, obviously, here we see that Jonah was having difficulty understanding the depth of God's compassion. And Nidavite's repentance also means the end of um, Jonah's ministry to his own people, Israelites. Israelites wanted Nidavite destroyed, not saved. 
But here we see the Lord asking Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? You know, this reply, does, God's reply did not rebuke Jonah. Don't, it's asking whether what right does Jonah has to criticize God? In fact, God's tone in this question was soft and tender. Jonah was feeling the frustration of not understanding God's action in the light of God's character that many must have felt this way. You know, but God dealt with his prophet Jonah compassionately as usual. And in the following verses, we see how the Lord taught and confronted Jonah with his heart. Maybe, you know, as we are reading to the account of Jonah, we expect Jonah to leave because of his frustration. But why did he construct a shelter and sit down to watch what would happen to Nineveh? Did he think that judgment might fall anyway? Or was he waiting to God, waiting for God to clarify his action? Or maybe Jonah hoped that the repentance of Nilevites would just be temporal and that God would call him you know, to pronounce that judgment that he wanted to see. He just sat somewhere on the slopes of the mountain that rise to the east of Nineveh to have the best view of whatever might happen. Maybe Jonah was expecting to witness another spectacular judgment just as what has become of Jordan, of Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, God continued to show compassion for Jonah by providing him with a shading plant. And that relieved the discomfort of the scorching sun. This is the only time, you know, that we read in this account that Jonah was happy. And it was because he was physical comfortable, physically comfortable. His anger grew out of his personal discomfort, resulting from God's compassion on the Ninevites. Notice here it says, the Lord God. You know, the shift in the name of God from Yahweh, the Lord, the Lord Yahweh, to Elohim, Lord God. And this is one of the rare appearances of the compound named Lord God. And this stresses on God's sovereignty and His sovereignty continues. We know that God has provided a storm, He has provided a fish, a plant, and now a worm to fulfill His purpose. He will also provide a win later. Clearly, God was using Jonah's circumstances to teach him something. The scorching sun, you know, the scorching east wind that God provided was the dreaded Sirocco. And the following description of the dreaded Sirocco will help us to appreciate why it has such a depressing effect on Jonah. It says here that during the period of Sirocco, the temperature rises sleepily. Sometimes even climbing during the night, and it remains high. How high? About 120 Fahrenheit, above the average, you know. And at times, every strap of moisture seems to have been excluded from the air, removed from the air, so that no one has nervous feeling that one's skin has been drawn much tighter than usual. Sirocco's days are peculiarly trying to the temple and tend to make even the modest people irritable and fretful, and to snap at one another for apparently no reason at all. You know, I can't imagine the temperature. You know, 120 Fahrenheit is roughly about 49 degrees Celsius. 49 degrees Celsius. You know, lately Singapore has been very, very hot. I don't think we reached that. We are about like 36. You know, and Eric, right, Deacon Eric told me that when the Temperature rise to that 36 degree. My temperature also swing like the temp. My mood also swing like the temperature. 
You know, and many of us have been complaining about the temperature. What more this drag, this, you know, drag dirt, Seraco? Why did Jonah not move into the city and live there? Apparently, he wanted nothing to do with the Nilevites, whom he hated so much. Or most likely, he did not know if God would spare Nineveh or destroy it. Earlier, he has wished to die because as God's servant, he was not happy with the will of God. Now he longed for death because as a human being, he was unhappy with his circumstances. You know, divine discipline had brought him to a place where even the loss of a plant affected him so deeply that he longed to die. You know, Jonah was angry, was frustrated, to the point even disappointed with God. He felt that God should and must not show compassion to the Nilevites. They simply do not deserve it. You know, but that is the character of God. He is compassionate towards the lost. Let us continue to read verse 9 to 11. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not be concerned for the great city of Nevele, in which there were more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and also many animals. In verse 4, we read earlier, the Lord asked Jonah if he had the right to be angry. And then here again, Lord asked Jonah if he has the right to be angry about this plant. And this time, the Lord knew that Jonah was ready to listen to him. In fact, the Lord's going to rebuke him by stressing three facts in verses 10 and 11. Now, firstly, Jonah has been greatly concerned about his physical comfort when he lost the shade provided by the plant that died. Although he did not tend it or make it glow, when it died, Jonah felt its loss deeply. He was deeply affected by the loss of his shade. Secondly, when it comes to the spiritual welfare of the Nilevites, you know, Jonah showed less concern for the 120,000 people of the capital who was lost and did not know God. You know, for his own personal comfort. Again, Jonah had not given life nor sustained the life of the plant. Still, he grieved over his loss. He did not suffer even a bit of grief over the 120,000 lost soul on Nineveh. Lastly, God then asked Jonah his last question. Since the Lord is created of all life, why should he not show concern and compassionate for the lost soul of the great city of Nevele? The Lord is compassionate, not willing that any person perished. God does not even want animals that are so dependent upon men to perish. You know, our Lord, our God, heart is filled with compassion for all his people. He seeks to pour out his love and compassion on each and every one. And this is who our God is. You know, don't waste your blood on my father. He does not deserve it, says Matthew. And that was always his prayer, telling Jesus his feelings about his father. You know, Matthew's father was a long-time drug addict and gang member. He always bring friends home and take drugs with them in front of Matthew 
and his younger siblings. To him, it is such a shame to have a father in and out of jail. The resentment Matthew has towards his father continued for years, for many, many years, and it was only when his father died that Matthew saw a side of himself that he has never seen before. His vengeful spirit, with which held the sharing of the gospel to his father. He chose not to share God's compassion with his father because he felt that Jesus' blood will not be, should not be wasted on his father. What is grace, my dear brothers and sisters? Grace is a merited favor. God's favor. Grace is received by those who did not merit it. And who decides? Who has the right to decide who received this grace? Only God can decide. Grace is poured out on us because it was merited by Christ. Ephesians 2, 8 tells us that we are saved by the grace of God. You know, maybe you have thought, you have this thought like me, is it worth it? Is the blood of our Lord Jesus worth in that person's life? Who are we to decide on this? Do we deserve the blood of Jesus? Do I deserve the blood of Jesus? I was proud. I was angry and rebellious, even a liar. No, but you know what? God showed me compassion. God showed me compassion and took me as his daughter. You know, in 2020, during our circuit breaker, God started to, QBC started to reach out, you know, to our migrant workers and also the rough sleepers. And I remember sharing this with some of my Christian friends, what QBC will be, had done, you know, then. And my concern and started to give me a lot of advice, many advice. Don't be cheated by them, you know. It is difficult for them to come to Christ because, you know, they are so chronic. Just be very, very, very careful, you know, and the advice just goes on and on. You know, just this week, one of our rust sleepers, SGP sleepers, Vincent Yap, went home to be with the Lord. If it's not for QBC opening our church to be a S3P, Vincent would never have come to know the Lord. You know, it is because he came to QBC SGP. That's why some of our brothers in SGP shared the gospel with him. You know, after circuit breaker, Vincent continued to worship with us every Saturday. If you are here on a Saturday service, you will see Vincent with an umbrella. An umbrella not because it was raining, you know. An umbrella because he was walking with a limb all the way from Sambawang. And unless he fell sick, if not, you will not. You will always see him on a Saturday service. And when he falls sick, you know, when we have conversation through WhatsApp, he always said, thank God for healing him. Thank God for providing this person to come and visit him. Always so full of thanksgiving. You know, even one soul is worth it when that person comes to know Christ. And what is more now, our 82 years old Vincent is happy with our Lord Jesus. Who decides? Do we decide it is worth it? Do we decide, do this person deserve it? The Lord is a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. How about us? How do we respond towards God's compassion? You know, the book of Jonah closes without giving us Jonah's response, but that is not the point of this book, all right? 
You know, the point is the answer to God's question in verse 11. That every reader, every reader, you and I, when we read this, Jonah 4, we must give an account. We must give an answer to God's question. You know, my dear brothers and sisters, as we come you know, to the end for this series, you know, let us remember you know, whatever that we have been hearing for the past four months, these OT stories are not to teach us moral lessons, but all the OT stories, the Old Testament stories are to unfold God's redemptive plan. After sin entered God's creation, he promised to send the seed of the woman to save us. In Cain and Abel, the offer, the offer of sacrifice must be accompanied by faith. Jesus is the one with the perfect faith and he is the perfect sacrifice for the blood of Adam's Christ's vengeance but the blood of the greater Adam, Jesus Christ, Christ forgiven. Then we learn that this seed of the woman will come from the family of Abraham, family of Isaac and Jacob. In March, we saw how the family of Abraham became a nation. Through the Passover, we see that the Messiah blood will protect us from the wrath of, wrath of God. Not only that, in the bronze serpent, we learn that Messiah will take on our sins. In the tabernacle, it shows us that God wants to be close to us. He wants a relationship with us, but his presence is not through a building or a tent, but through a person, Emmanuel. He, God, will become a man. He will come into his creation to take on our sins. Then in the covenant with David, the Messiah will be the son of David and he will be king. He will love us with a pursuing love like Hosea for his prostitute wife, Goma. God will also you know, make a new covenant with us where our sins will be forgiven and we all, Children of God have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit that indwells in Him. And as a result, all nations will be blessed. And finally today, we will end with the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah forced Israel and Judah to consider that they are deliverer and Lord was not theirs alone. But the Lord is the creator of a wide creation that includes other people. God's compassion and love is not only for his people, but for the whole world. How do we respond to God's compassion? Are we like Jonah? Rejoice in God's compassion when it is shown to us, but we hate it when this same compassion is shown to others. Or do we realize that God's compassion is always a gift, as much undeserved by us as by the wicked and most cruel people, people who don't deserve it enough. You know, sometimes sharing God's compassion can be very uncomfortable. You know, I remember meeting the beloved's family who were referred from our mentoring school to give them the NTUC voucher every month. These are the families who we are helping. You know, when I first met these families, our concern, because, you know, growing up, you know, we were always told, right, to be careful with speech, you know, when we share the gospel with a particular group of people. Yeah, I was concerned. I was super uncomfortable, but I meet them. But you know, you know, after a few months, when I keep meeting them monthly again and again, sometimes twice a month, you know, the Lord opened doors to show them His compassion. 
I remember one of them said this to me in my office. I don't know why, but ever since the God of QBC helped my sons and me, our lives change. My son now likes to study. It's such a simple thing, right? Studying. Simple thing, but she's thankful to the God of QBC. There was a change of heart. Only God's compassion can melt the hearts of people. And this, three, this pre-three night, we'll be praying for them. So come. We might not be like Matthew, who hated the father so much that he beheld sharing the gospel with his father. But I believe that some of us have been praying for our unbelieving parents or even for that friend for many, many years. You know, my prayers is that God will show you concrete step to share his compassion. You know, invite them for movie outreach in June. Invite them for our worship services. Invite them for our Alpha, our evangelistic events in church. These are all platforms to help you share God's compassion. And trust me, you know, it is okay to be uncomfortable when you share God's compassion to people. It is okay to be rejected. It is okay to be scolded. Many times I was also scolded when I shared the gospel. But it is not okay to be indifferent to God's compassion. It is not okay. Romans 3, 23 to 24 says, For all have sinned and fall short you know, of the glory of God, being justified as the gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. But God demonstrated His own love towards us in that while we were sinners, we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, all of us are sinners. Jesus Christ, the greater Jonah, came to die for us to show God's compassion for the world. Will we tell the greatest love story? Will we tell the greatest love story? Let's take some time to just reflect to the Lord as we hear His message this morning. Now, we have experienced the compassion of God ourselves. Will we be uncomfortable enough to show God's compassion to this person who we might not like her or him? Or even, you know, our parents who does not know our Lord. As the worship team comes up, let's just take some time to reflect on this question. And if you are here today and you have not experienced this compassion of God in your life, now this message is for you. No matter who you are and how messed up you think your life is, no, if you truly repent, truly trust Jesus Christ by following Him and His commandment, may God loves you and He died for you. You know, I would like to just show this question. Is there anyone who would like to receive God's compassion this morning? No, you have not known the Lord. You do not know who Jesus is. But you say, yes, I want this gift 
I want this gift of compassion. Is there anyone here with us who want to receive this gift of compassion this morning? God, we thank you, Lord, for your abounding love, your compassion, oh God. Indeed, it is your compassion and love that brought Jesus to die for us on the cross so that we can have abundant life, eternal life, Lord. Father, touch our hearts. Touch our hearts so that we will not grow indifference, we will not grow cold. Touch our hearts of stones. And give us hearts of fresh that beats with your compassion for those around us, Lord. Open our eyes, open our spiritual eyes, and compel us, Father, to share your compassion and love to those around us. Father, we also want to pray, Father, perhaps there's some of us here, one or two of us who doesn't know your compassion. God, you allow our hearts to continue to search for you. We pray, O oh Lord, that you reveal yourself to them, Lord. Compassionate, God, show your love to them, Lord. We thank you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.